Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 53 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Although both the regenerate and unregenerate, according as they are in like degree distempered, are in most things alike, yet in this they differ. Some beams of holiness will glance forth now and then in the regenerate, which do not in the unregenerate, especially in the intermission of their fits. Their desires will be found to be different, and if they both recover, the one returns to his usual course of holiness with increase. The other, except God work with the affliction to conversion, continues in his accustomed wickedness. It pleases God that for the most part, his own children who are thus distempered have the strength of their melancholy worn out and subdued before they die, at which time they have some sense of God's favor to their comfort. But if their disease continue, it is possible they may die lunatics, and if you judge by their speeches, despairing, which is not to be imputed unto them, but to their disease, or unto Satan, working by the disease, if they have given good testimony of holiness in former times. When these troubles are merely from bodily distempers, though they be not troubles of conscience, yet they make a man incapable of the sense of peace of conscience. Therefore, whosoever would enjoy the benefit of the peace of his conscience must do what in him lies to prevent or remove these distempers. And because they grow, for the most part, from natural causes, therefore, natural as well as spiritual remedies much must be used. Number one, take heed of all such things as feed those humors of choler and melancholy, which must be learned of experienced men and of skillful physicians, and when need is, take physic. Number two, avoid all unnecessary solitude, and as much as may be, Keep company with such as truly fear God, especially with those who are wise, full of cheerfulness and joy in the Lord. Number three, forbear such things as stir up these humors as overmuch study and musing too much upon anything. Likewise, all sudden and violent passions of anger immoderate grief, etc. Number four, shun idleness, and according to strength and means, be fully employed in some lawful business. Number five, out of the fit, the party thus affected must not oppress his heart with fear of falling into it again, any otherwise than to quicken him to prayer, 
and to cause him to cast himself upon God. Number six, out of the fits, and in them also, if the party distempered be capable, spiritual counsel is to be given out of the word, wisely, according as the party is fit for it, whether to humble him, if he has not been sufficiently humbled, or to build him up and comfort him, if he be already humbled. Number seven, lastly, Remember always that when the troubled person is himself, he be moved to prayer, and that others then pray much with him, and at all times pray much for him. When these troubles are mixed, coming partly from natural distemper and partly from spiritual temptation, then the remedy must be mixed of helps, natural and spiritual. What the natural helps are has been shown. Also what the spiritual in general and shall be shown more particularly in removing false fears arising from spiritual temptations. The fears which rise for the most part from distemper of body may be known from those which for the most part or only rise from the spiritual temptation thus. When the first sort are clearly resolved of their doubts and brought unto some good degree of cheerfulness and comfort, they will yet, it may be, within a day or two, sometimes within an hour or two, upon every slight occasion and discouragement, return to their old complaints and will need the same means to recover them again. But those whose trouble is merely out of spiritual temptation and trouble of conscience, although for the time it be very grievous and hardly removed, and sometimes long before they receive a satisfying answer to their doubts, yet when once they receive satisfaction and comfort, it does hold and last until there fall out some new temptation and new matter of fear. This is because their fancies and memories are not disturbed in such a manner as the others are. The seeming grounds of fears that a man is not in a state of grace, when yet he is, are for variety almost infinite. I have reduced them into this order and unto these heads. First, they who are taken with false fears think their sins to be greater than can be pardoned. Secondly, when they are driven from that, they say they fear God will not pardon. When they are driven from this, by causing them to take notice of the signs of God's actual love to them, which give proof that he will save them, then, thirdly, they will question the truth of God's love and favor. But being put upon the trial, whether God has not already justified them and given them faith in Christ, which are sufficient proofs of his love, then, fourthly, they will seem to have grounds to doubt whether they have faith. 
from which they are driven by putting them to the trial of their sanctification. Then, fifthly, they doubt and will object strongly that they are not sanctified, which being undeniably proved, then, sixthly, and lastly, they fear they shall fall away and not persevere to the end, which fear being taken away also, and all is come to this good issue, they shall have no cause of disquiet or fear. This is the easiest, most familiar, and the most natural method, so far as I can judge, both in proposing and in removing false fears. Number two, of fears which arise from thoughts of the greatness of punishment and sin. First, some, in their fits of despair, speak almost in Cain's words, saying that their punishment, which they partly feel, and which they most of all fear, is greater than they can bear or than can be forgiven. Genesis 4.14 I answer such. If sense and fear of wrath and punishment be your trouble, I would have you not to busy your thoughts about the punishment, but fix them upon your sins, which are the only cause of punishment. For get deliverance from the guilt and power of sin, and in one and the same work you free yourself from the punishment. Labor, therefore, that your heart may bleed with godly sorrow for sin. Cry out, as David did, against his sin. Psalm 51, 4 and 5. So do you against yours. Confess them to God. Strike at the root of sin, at the sin of your nature, wherein you were conceived. Aggravate your actual sins. Hide none. Spare none. Find out. Arraign. Accuse. Condemn your sins and yourself for them. Grow first into an utter detestation of your sins, which have brought present punishment and a sense of fear of the eternal vengeance of hellfire, then likewise grow into a dislike with yourself for sin. Loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Ezekiel thirty-six thirty-one. Now, when you are as a prisoner at the bar who has received sentence of condemnation, when you are in your own apprehension, a damned wretch, fearing every day to be executed. Oh, then it concerns you, and it is your part and duty to turn to God, the King of kings, whose name and nature is to forgive iniquity, transgression, and sins, and that you may be accepted. Go to him by Jesus Christ, whose office is to take away your sins and to present you 
without sin to his father, whose office is also to procure and sue out your pardon. Wherefore, in Christ's name pray and ask pardon of God for his Son, Jesus Christ's sake, and withal be as earnest in asking grace and power against your sin, that you may serve him in all well-pleasing. Do this as for your life, with all truth and earnestness, then you may, nay, ought to believe that God, for Christ's sake, has pardoned your sin and has done away the punishment thereof. For this is according to the word of truth, even as true as God is, who has commanded you to do this and to believe in him. This concludes episode 53 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.